Well, good morning, everyone. I want to begin today with three stories. Three stories that have really shaped my life, and three stories that will shape the sermon, and three stories I think, if we understand them, can actually shape your life in whatever season you may be journeying in, whatever season you may be a part of. And so my first story is actually uh, a sad story. Now, as I've shared here many times, uh, my dad actually had cancer, and this became really formative for me and obviously for our family, like journeying with my dad through cancer and some of the difficulties that come with that. And I know I've shared this story here before, but I actually think that stories that shape us should be shared again and again and again. It's why we come back to even like the Gospels again and again and again, because important stories are meant to be shared. So here's what happened in my life. My dad had been diagnosed for cancer, and then he had cancer for many years. And so what we ended up living with was almost this low-grade tension and anxiety that was almost always there. We were in and out of the hospitals, sometimes unsure of whether this would be the last time or what might happen. And I can remember one day, walking into my dad's office, because I worked with him. I was his youth pastor for almost eight years. One day I walked into his office and I was furious. Uh, generally, neither my dad nor myself uh, raise our voices. That's not really kind of a thing, but I was, I was like raising my voice. And I walked into my dad's office and demanding, I'm like, Dad, this has to stop. This has to stop. And he looks at me and he's like, what do you mean, Andrew? What needs to stop? And I said, you texting me at 3 a.m. has to stop. Because what had started to happen uh, with my dad was he would wake up in the middle of the night and he would think of something that he would need for the next day or the next week or whatever it is. And he would text me that thing in the middle of the night. So in the middle of the night, consistently, I was getting texts like, hey, Andrew, can you bring me a bagel from Tim Hortons tomorrow? Hey, Andrew, can you take the missions meeting next week? Hey, Andrew, can you preach in three months or whatever it is? But what would happen for me is I would hear that text go off and my adrenaline would start to run. I would all of a sudden get worried or anxious because often my dad would be going in and out of the hospital and I wasn't sure if that'd be my mom saying, hey, dad's going back into the hospital or whatever. So I get a text at 3 a.m. asking me to bring in coffee creamer to the office the next day, but I wouldn't be able to sleep for hours because my adrenaline would just go and I'd be struggling to get back to sleep. So I said to my dad, I'm like, you just can't keep texting me at 3 a.m. My adrenaline gets going and I can't sleep. And he says to me, he's like, Andrew, there's, like, turn off your phone. Just turn off your phone, and there's no problems. And like, why is this a big deal? And I must have been really exasperated in that kind of moment. Because I turned to him, and I said to him, I'm like, Dad, I can't turn off my phone because you're dying. Because you're dying. And you might be needing me. There might be something. I just can't turn off my phone. But I also can't be getting up in the middle of the night every night for random texts about coffee cream or meetings or whatever else it is that you're looking for me to bring in the next day. And so we both kind of laughed there for a moment. And we looked at each other and we realized that we needed to just change some of the things that were going on. And I share this story because what living with cancer with my dad taught me is that I need to learn to accept some things. And so did my dad too. One of the things we needed to learn to accept was that, hey, like I have to leave my phone on, right? And that because of our relationship, because of what's going on in his health, that there are just certain things that we couldn't control that were there. And so what I've learned in and through actually my dad's journey with cancer and then how that intersects with my own personal journey is to really learn that there are some things that we can accept and some things that we can't. And what really I started to realize was that we need to learn to accept the places we are in in life. Otherwise, we risk missing out on life. I learned this especially with my dad because if, and I had to deal with this too, if every time the phone rang there was panic or anxiety or whatever, I might actually miss the years that my dad actually was with us, that we got to enjoy having friendships and relationships together and all of that. So I share this first story as a reminder that there are things in life that sometimes we simply can't all change, that are beyond our control, and that we need to learn to accept them and need to learn to live within them, that I need to keep my phone on and my dad did need to let me know what was going on. Eventually he just moved to emails and that worked out fine for us. But that's what I wanted to share with you, first story. 
is that there are things in life that we need to learn to accept that are beyond our control and how that affects us. Second story actually is related to this one in a, in a small way. As I shared with you, I've been uh, the youth pastor at my dad's church uh, for many years. Uh, but what I don't think I've ever shared here is how I actually came to have that role. Because uh, for many people, this would have been very unexpected, actually. In high school, I wasn't really a follower of Jesus. And in high school, I didn't have these things that you might call, I don't know, like a work ethic, responsibility, or like any initiative at all, really. I didn't have any of these things, actually. I spent my entire time in high school trying to figure out how I could get out of work and finding loopholes and like school systems or whatever else and not going to school. And uh, all the teenagers are probably like, hey, share some of those stories. And all parents are like, please do not, right? Um, but I eventually did find Jesus, or better put, he found me. And he kind of changed my life right at the end of high school. And I shifted then from deciding to go into, like, to potentially be a lawyer, and instead to be, you know, a theologian, to be a pastor, that sort of thing. And so I shifted. And I needed to get a job to actually have some money to pay for Bible college I was going through. And lo and behold, there came a job up at my church. Our youth pastor had just resigned, and they had a summer youth assistant job uh, for someone to help just with the youth group throughout the summer. And so I thought, this sounds great. This is exactly what we need. So I told my dad, I'm like, I'm going to apply for this. This is going to be great. And he looks at me, and he's like, yeah, feel free to apply, Andrew, but like, like you know, you've never gone to youth group. You didn't go because you weren't really following Jesus. I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to apply to be the summer youth assistant anyway. And he's like, well... Like, you also know that you haven't really shown much, like, initiative or responsibility or effort in a lot of things. He's like, you know, so that you might not get it. And I was like, I know, but I'm still going to apply anyway. But to put this in context, right, this wasn't, you know, a dad just trying to set their son's expectations well so they're not hurt. Um, let me ask you an obvious question. If it was at my dad's church, who do you think was doing the hiring? My dad. And here's my dad saying to me, like, hey, Andrew, you're probably not going to get this because he did not want to hire me. That is the honest truth. But a miracle happened, and I got hired. I got hired for my very first job, kind of like as a summer youth assistant. And do you want to know how this miracle occurred? I was the only person who applied. I was the only person who applied. And I'm not making this up. As soon as I got it, the first thing my dad said to me, the first thing my dad said to me, he's like, Andrew, please do not screw this up for me. That's what he said. That's what he said. Oh. But something did shift in me. I really did feel all of a sudden called into this. And all of a sudden, work didn't feel like work, and I was diving into it. So fast forward a few months later, and our youth group has grown. I'm now on uh, part-time kind of permanent while I'm in school. Um, they're working hours around uh, while I'm in schooling so I can just continue on uh, serving in the youth group. And uh, things are going really, really well. And my mom comes to see me one day in my office now. She comes to me and she says, Andrew, um, I'm really proud of you. Your dad and I are so proud of you. You've shown like a real initiative, which we didn't think you had. Like it's been quite amazing. Um, but my office at that time was a disaster. Like there was stuff everywhere, youth games, papers, sheets, files, all this kind of stuff just everywhere. And she came in and she said, we are so proud of you. But I need to tell you, when I come into your office, when I come into your office actually, it just looks unprofessional actually. It doesn't look like you know what you're doing. And she said to me something that I don't know if she would remember, but I remember to this day. She turned to me and she said, Andrew, if I came into your office and it was totally clean and you couldn't find something, I would assume it was a mistake. But now if I come into your office and you can't find something, I assume actually you're irresponsible. So you want to know what I did that day? I cleaned my office. I cleaned my office and I've kept a clean office ever since because that really lasted with me. That there are some things that you need to just accept responsibility with and to do, like cleaning your office or cleaning your room. They're sorry. They're sorry, okay? They're sorry. I want to share with you uh, what happens at my birthday every year. Because like you, I have a birthday every year. And so every year, what we uh, kind of do is I have a, some people I invite over, and we tend to have a very long, kind of drawn-out kind of meal. That's what ends up happening. People show up um, sometime in the afternoon and stay late, late into the evening, uh, very, very late, you know, well past midnight, that sort of thing. And we have these long kind of meals. 
And so this year for my birthday, I decided I wanted to do like a barbecue kind of thing with three different barbecue um, kind of sandwiches. So what I did was first I made a kimchi burger with gochujang uh, sauce that's all mixed in with it with a fried egg on top of it and kimchi mayo. That was the first kind of uh, part of the meal. Then we also had along with that um, a pea meal bacon slider with homemade uh, mustard as it's meant to be eaten. And then for vegetarians who are with us, what we also did was um, an eggplant parmesan kind of baked sub that was there. And then we had like potato salad that you grill on the barbecue first. And then I made some Mexican street corn uh, with cojitas cheese and cayenne pepper and all this different kind of stuff that came together. And then there was also appetizers of flatbreads and bruschetta and like homemade guacamole. And then there was like cocktails I would make with, you know, uh, blow torches or that smoke machine, as you saw. That's what actually what that's used for from week one. And so I share this with you because that's what my birthday was. It's just eating and drinking late into the night. It's just eat, drink, and be merry. And those are the three stories I want to share with you today. And the three stories I share with you today might seem in some ways meaningless to have this theme of Kohelet, to have this theme of the series, but they really aren't. Because what we've learned over the last few weeks is just this. What we've learned from Kohelet, the writer of Ecclesiastes, is that there are things in our life that really are havel, that are just smoke, that are just vapor, that really aren't meaningful to chase. And then what we learned last week is that we move not through time, we move through seasons. And so what Kohelet wants to do today, I want to invite you, is to realize three things, three things that can help us to move through whatever season you may be at, and also to deal with some of the meaninglessness that are a part of our lives. And those three things are exactly related to those three stories. They are acceptance, they are responsibility, and they are eat, drink, and be merry. That's what Kohelet wants to teach us. If you want to move through a world with seasons, what you need to do is learn to accept the reality of the world around us, to accept some of the things you cannot change, like the fact that my dad had cancer and I also can't have my phone going off at 3 a.m., right? To accept some of the things that you cannot change. And then also to take responsibility for what you can, like cleaning your office or cleaning your room. And then lastly, to enjoy eating and drinking with friends. This is what Kohelet will teach us, will actually enable us to move through the different seasons of life. But let's not take my word for it. Let's take Kohelet's and let's see what he says. And I want to begin taking a look at some of the verses that talk about the reality we need to accept the life around us. So we're going to be jumping around a little bit today, all over kind of Ecclesiastes, to see some of these themes that come through it. And the first thing I want to name is that Kohelet often kind of feels like he's lashing out at us, like he's kind of punching, right? That he's in a real battle. Listen to some of the things that he says as he's trying to get us to understand how to live in this world. He says again, I observed all the oppression that takes place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and the victims are helpless. So I concluded that the dead are better off than the living, but most fortunate are those who are not yet born, for they have never seen all the evil done under the sun. He says it's better not to have been born. Kohelet is, in some ways, so brutal and harsh and straightforward and direct. He says this world is difficult. This world, there is oppression. This world, it doesn't seem like everything works out as it should. He continues, listen to these kind of verses. He says that this too is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Again, not quite a verse that people quote often, but this is one that Kohelet wants us to wrestle with, to say, this is what our world is like. We need to live in the reality of our world. Listen to what he says here. He says, and everything has already been decided anyway. It was known long ago what each person would do. So there's no use arguing with God about your destiny. In the few days of our meaningless lives, who knows how our days can best be spent? Our lives are like a shadow. Who can tell what will happen on this earth after we are gone? And here, Kohelet, 
what he's doing, really, is he is fighting against. He's fighting against this Western, sanitized kind of view that everything just works out magically, right? And he's saying, no, 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 no. What we need to learn to do, what we need to learn to do is to accept the reality of the world before us. And what we need to do, actually, is accept the world as it is, not as we wish it was. Let me say that again. This is what Kohelet wants us to do. He wants us to actually do the hard work of accepting the world as it is, not as we wish that it was. That sometimes in a world, anyone feel this? Anyone just feel like the world is rigged sometimes? That things just are unfair and don't work out correctly? This is what Kohelet wants us to face. He wants us to face this reality and to accept this reality that there are just things in life, I know this isn't popular, but it is true, there are just things in life that you can't control and you can't change. This is the reality of the world before us. And Kohelet says that we need to accept this. We need to learn to live with this. We need to be grounded in the reality of this. Not to ignore it or to deny it or to avoid it, but to see it for what it is. That there are some things that are beyond your control and beyond mine. But this doesn't leave Kohelet actually into like passive resignation, into just like, well, nothing matters. Right? Kohelet, I don't actually think, is a nihilist. Right? That's what somebody actually uh, texted me after the first sermon. They're like, oh, welcome to nihilism. Or maybe it's pronounced nihilism Sunday. I'm not sure which way it's pronounced, but everything is meaningless, so I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but if you don't know what that means, there's this view that everything in life is meaningless. And yes, Kohelet kind of sounds like that in some ways. In fact, he uses that term, everything is meaningless, havel. It actually comes up almost every five verses in Ecclesiastes. It's just really, really prominent. It is a really big theme. But Kohelet actually doesn't want us to become passive. That's actually not what he's doing or what he's driving at. He does want us to accept the world as it is, not as we wish it was. But then he also invites us to take responsibility, to take a step, to actually control what we can and to accept what we can't. Listen to some of the verses that don't quite sound like Kohelet, but they are. Listen to what he says. He says, finishing is better than starting. Finishing is better than starting. Or to put it differently, like if you start something, finish that thing. Take responsibility. But listen to what else he says. Patience is better than pride. Patience is better than pride. It is better to be patient than to just be prideful and right and arrogant. It's better to be patient. He says this, control your temper, for your anger labels you as a fool. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Here Kohelet is teaching us really clearly in some ways that there are some things we cannot control. We can't just be longing for the good old days, but what we can do is we can finish what we started. We can control our anger. We can actually become patient people. He invites us to actually take some steps. Listen to what else he says um, in Ecclesiastes. He says, people who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. He actually wants to invite us into that, to work hard. Or he also says this, whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there'll be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. So he's saying, yes, in the end, um, we all go to the same place. But he says, do work well now. Also listen to this verse. He says, laziness leads to a sagging roof. A roof. Idleness leads to a leaky house. Like, you might not think that this is the same guy who wrote meaningless, meaningless, like everything is meaningless, but it is. But it is. He actually wants to invite us to accept the things we cannot change and some of the reality of our world that is brutal and unfair and unjust, but then also to invite us into taking responsibility for what we can. Listen to what he says. This is one of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes. He says, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or the other, or maybe both. Here's really that kind of, this idea of both acceptance and responsibility. He said, yeah, we need to accept the fact that we don't know always where all of our profits or livelihood will come from, whether it's planting or working in the afternoon. But he says, be busy anyway. Be responsible for what you can. Yes, you cannot control everything, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't take the steps that can right before you. 
That's what Kohelet wants to invite us into, to not deny what's happening in the world around us, but to be responsible for what we can. Listen to this verse, and I think this is also kind of perfectly sums up with this idea of both acceptance and responsibility. He says this, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. If you just wait for everything to turn out magically and perfectly, you're going to be waiting for forever. But when he says actually to take the next step, to do what you can, to plant, to actually control your anger, right? To take the next step, to take some responsibility. That's what Kohelet invites us into, to accept the world as it actually is, not as we wish it was. And then also to take responsibility for what we can. And then thirdly, thirdly, he doesn't invite us just to accept and take responsibility. The third thing is, what was my third story about? He actually invites us to enjoy the little things in life, right? To enjoy eating and drinking and a meal together. And this comes up consistently too in Ecclesiastes. Let me read to you some of the different verses. This is what Kohelet says. So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? Kohelet says that, yes, our world can be difficult, but what we can do is actually to enjoy whatever it is before us, the food or drink and some of the satisfaction we find in work. And then we read this in Ecclesiastes 5. Even so, I've noticed one thing, at least, that is good. He says this, It is good for people to eat and drink and enjoy their work under sun during the short life that God has given to them and to accept their lot in life. To accept the things that you cannot control and then to actually enjoy food and drink. He says, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot indeed, uh, lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. We see kind of all those themes of eating and responsibility and acceptance coming together in those verses. Or in chapter 8, we read this. And this is not at all that is meaningless in our world. He says this, in this life, good people are often treated as though they are wicked. This is the unfairness of the world. Right? And wicked people are often treated as though they are good. This is so meaningless. This is all Havel. It is unfair and it is unjust. But he says this, so I recommend, here's his recommendation, so I recommend having fun. You might not have thought, actually, that Kohelet would write that, but he does. He accepts the meaninglessness of the world, but then he says, so I accept having fun, right? Because there is nothing better uh, for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. There's nothing better for people in this world to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way, they will experience some happiness along with the hard work that God gives them under the sun. Or in the KGV puts it, that you might uh, be more familiar with, there's nothing better under the sun than to eat, drink, and to be merry. And here, when Kohalit is inviting us into actually eating and drinking and being merry, I want to be clear with this. He's not inviting us into like a weird party culture. He's already tried that in chapters 1 and 2. And that kind of escaping of life doesn't bring any meaning. No, what he's saying instead, though, is that if there's a meal before you, if there's a good cup of coffee, if there's, you know, baked bread and some butter, you should actually enjoy that moment and to enjoy the food and the gifts that are before you. And so what Kohelet, I think, wants to teach us is this. Here's kind of the recap of what I think he's inviting us into. That in a world where so much of what we chase after is Havel, that in a world of so much what we chase after is meaningless, that in a world that runs according to seasons that we cannot control, What he wants to invite us to do is really three things. He wants to invite us to accept, to take responsibility, and to enjoy life when we can. That what he's kind of fighting against, Kohelet, what I really think he is, is what he's fighting against often is denial, passivity, and dourness. That what he wants to actually fight against is uh, for people who deny the reality of our world. That our world is unjust, it is unfair, it feels rigged so often. Right? He actually mentions this, and he says, it seems so unfair that the wicked prosper, or that you can put in a hard, good day's labor and not move forward. This is unfair. This is the reality of our world. And Kohelet doesn't want us to deny that. He actually wants us to actually take a look at it. 
But then what he also doesn't want us to do is to become passive in the face of the difficulty around us. That's where he invites us to, you know, control your anger. Finishing is better than starting, right? Idleness isn't helpful. Plant, get busy, do work, take responsibility. That what Kohelet wants to do is to hold on to two truths. And I think that this is so uncommon in our day and age. What he wants to hold on to two truths is just this, that our world is really difficult and awful, and we also do need to take responsibility for what we can. I think in our current political climate, either one of those two truths are often emphasized by different groups. Some groups just want to focus in on the oppression and injustice and systems that are just rigged, and that is true. Other people just want to talk about how we just need to do work and be responsible and try harder. That also is true that we need to be responsible. Both of those things are true. Kohelet wants to hold them together and say our world is unfair, our world is difficult, and yet we do have some responsibility that we can take. And then he adds into this, then he adds into this that then what we should do too is that even with all of that difficulty, all of that havel is around us, that we should enjoy the things that are before us, whether that's a good glass of wine, a great cup of coffee, a meal, whatever it may be, that we should enjoy life even as we seek to accept the things that we cannot change, to take responsibility for what we can, and then to enjoy life as we move through it. So what does this mean for us all today? Well, here's my main point today. My main point is really just Kohelet said, if we want to live through the seasons of life we are in, that what I think he is inviting us into is to accept the things that we cannot change, to take responsibility for what we can, and then to enjoy life as we go. That's my main point today. That we need to accept the things that we cannot change, to take responsibility for what we can, and then to enjoy life as we go. Or, to put it in the words of the serenity prayer, which I think is beautiful and true and something Kohelet would agree, says this, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. That's acceptance. That's the fact our world, honestly, it is not perfect and is broken and it is unjust in many ways. Right? But then um, the prayer goes on. It says, encourage to change the things that I can. That's responsibility. That's stepping up. That's doing what we can. That is actually within our control. We need to do that as well. And then the prayer ends with the wisdom to know the difference. And I would simply add, with a willingness to enjoy life, the food and drink and the parties and the friends that you may have in the moments that you may have. So what does this mean for us then practically today? What does it mean for us practically? Well, today I have for you two questions and an invitation. Okay, two questions and an invitation. First, my question, first question is just this. What do you need to learn to accept? Okay. What do you need to learn to accept? What is honestly a little bit beyond your control that right now you're trying to grasp and to actually control, but you just can't. What do you need to learn to accept? What is something that you cannot change? Remember my first story, one of the things I couldn't change with both, that I can't be waking up every single night at 3 a.m., but also the fact that my dad had cancer and that was something we had to learn to live with and to find God in the midst of it, that I couldn't change that fact. What are the things that you might need to accept that you cannot change? Is there maybe someone that you've been trying to change and honestly, it just won't happen. It isn't worth it. It's meaningless. Maybe you've been trying to change your spouse, your kids, a friend, a family member. But honestly, that's beyond your control. You can't change anyone. Why do you keep forcing at that? Why do you keep grasping at that? What is it that you need to learn to accept? What is it that you today can just say, you know what, this is beyond my control. Maybe it's um, the reality that COVID is here. Maybe it's the reality that things aren't going to go back to normal right away. Maybe it's the reality that a relationship has changed or is frayed or is difficult. What is it that you need to accept? That's the question I want to invite you into. And then the second question I want to invite you into is just this. What do you need to take responsibility for? What is it that you can do? I think that so often in our day and age and in our world, I think that so often we pretend we have more control in areas that we don't while ignoring the very areas that we do have some control, some agency, some responsibility in. 
So what is the step of responsibility that you can take today? Maybe, honestly, maybe it's to clean your room, right? That's what my mom told me, and she was right. Clean my office. Maybe it's to clean your room. All parents are saying amen, okay? Maybe it's to clean your room. Maybe it's to start a savings account. I know, none of this sounds fun. Responsibility never is. But maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's to have a really difficult conversation because you know you should be. Maybe it's to actually be kind to someone, to reach out to someone you've been avoiding. Or maybe that is the real question for us today. What have you been avoiding doing that you know you need to? What have you been avoiding doing that you know you need to? Maybe it's actually discussing the fact that you struggle with an addiction. Maybe it's actually uh, realizing the fact that that relationship is toxic and needs boundaries. What have you been avoiding doing that you need to? I wanna invite you to think of those two questions. What do you need to accept and where do you need to take a step of responsibility? And then lastly, lastly one I wanna invite you into is actually an invitation. That once you have really wrestled with those two things and taken some action with them, what I wanna invite you into is to celebrate. Is to celebrate actually with a good meal. To celebrate actually with um, a reward of eating, drinking, and being married, to use Kohelet's language. I want to invite you, once you've done the work of really discerning what is it that you need to accept, what is it you need to take responsibility for, is then how can you enjoy life? How can you actually have um, a moment of celebration? I want to invite you to plan for a meal that you would really enjoy. This might be something big and elaborate, like kind of my birthday meals, or it can be something very, very simple and straightforward. Do you want to know how I celebrate Easter every single year? This is weird, but this is true, okay? After all of our Easter services are done here at the church, how I go and celebrate, my reward is I go out to Taco Bell because I think Taco Bell is amazing. And if you don't love it, I will pray for you. But there are some things I cannot change, okay? There are some things I cannot change. That Taco Bell is amazing, and you might not appreciate it. But this is how I actually honestly go out and celebrate. It's not a big thing. You know, we say Christ is risen, and I say, let us go get a crunch wrap. That is literally what happens every single Easter. That's how I celebrate. That's my reward. I want to invite you into something, too. What might you be able to celebrate? It might be a big meal. It might be a big thing, having lots of people over. It might be also something simple, like a, you know, a taco, whatever it may be. I want to invite you to think through those two questions. What is it you need to accept? What does you need to take responsibility for? And then how can you enjoy life today? What is it? Maybe it's a, cup of, a great cup of coffee. Maybe it's a meal with someone. How can you celebrate today? That's what I want to invite you into. So today, what is my main point? My main point is really simple. So we need to accept the things that we cannot change. We need to take responsibility for what we can. And then we need to learn to enjoy life along the way. And my challenge is just to do that. Accept the things you can't change. Take a step of responsibility and then celebrate by eating, drinking, and being merry. Because that's what Kohelet invites us into, to move through whatever seasons we may be a part of. So with that, would you join with me in prayer here today? God, I pray. Would you continue to give us the wisdom and the discernment to know, Lord, those things that we cannot change and to accept those things that we cannot change and to trust you, Lord, with those things that we cannot change. And then, God, I also pray, would you give us wisdom and discernment to know the step of responsibility that we should be taking? Are there things that we are avoiding? Are there things that we need to do? Are there people we need to reach out to? Would you give us the courage to do that? And then, God, would you also give us the ability to be in the moment and to actually enjoy the good things of life, whether that's a meal or a drink or being with friends? Would you help us, Lord, to even in all that is going on in our world, to enjoy the simple things before us and to give thanks to you for them. And let's pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. And so to close today, I want to invite you, actually, to pray the serenity prayer along with me. A prayer that I think actually is really much inspired by Kohelet and by Ecclesiastes as our way of closing here together. So let's pray this together. God, give me the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed and the courage to change the things which should be changed and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. 
living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right when I surrender to you. And may God continue to be with you this week. May you sense him. May you follow him. Might you accept, take responsibility, and celebrate. Grace.